The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. Welcome aboard Flight 139 of the Squawk Ident Podcast, recorded on the 26th of September, 2023 from the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. On today's flight, we will be joined by a wide-body captain that has recently flown his final flight as a commercial airline pilot. After 38 years of flying the line, he's hung up his captain's hat for a final time. He joins us today to explain the retirement process at an airline, how he has handled the transition, and, if we're lucky enough, he'll tell us about some of the highlights from his illustrious journey in aviation. Captain Keith Wolzinger will be joining us today, so stay tuned as we run our final checks and prepare for pushback from the gate. Flight 139 of the Squawk Ident podcast is officially underway. Joining us today is a superb aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He is a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP, an avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, a commercial drone operator, and currently an Airbus captain for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Joining us from his podcast studio in Flower Mound, Texas, help us in welcoming our very own Captain Rob D. Captain, how you doing? Hey, Captain, I'm doing good good to be back ready to get the show on the road or in the air yes fantastic <laughs> it's been a while it's been over a month since our last recording yeah uh we've all been very busy we we have our very busy group text thread that we go on for our squawk ident crew members and everyone like hey can we can we record a podcast this week you think <laughs> yeah. who's available and yeah I, the oh. logistics for this show is is crazy i don't I, and you're the one that uh kind of puts it all together so <laughs> yeah uh, it's you know, been all, crazy. All the prompts go to you. Well, thank you. Um, and and <laughs> yeah, I've been ha- partly to blame. To be here. Well, yeah, I'm just happy to be here too. Uh, I'm partly to blame for that too because I've. You know, we're going to hear a little bit about what I've been up to uh, lately, and uh, cool. I can't believe. I mean, my coffee intake has has skyrocketed, gentlemen. I'm doing triple shot espressos <laughs> now, <laughs> cold foam wow. cream top, and oh my god! Whoa. <laughs> and and I took two weeks vacation. And I actually left the country, so that's did kinda, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. I, I took my mother with me to uh, to Tirana, where I was born, because she has family wow. there. I have family there. We we went to go see my my aunts cool. and uncles and her cousins, and yeah, it was it was fun. Oh, it was fun. That's good. That's good. That's not yeah. leaving the country. Oh yeah, Canada is a totally other country. Yeah. Ask any Canadian what they think of America. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a loft party over a really good apartment. Okay, that's all it is. Yeah, well, right. just a loft apartment over a really good party. Okay, well that's, that's all. pretty much all of Toronto. Yeah, you, you you've said it. <laughs> Well, speaking of, you've heard his voice, and now let's introduce him. Also joining us today is an outstanding aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He is a former U.S. Navy Reserve Chief Information System Technician, a certified flight instructor, and an Embraer 175 pilot for Sandpiper Regional. New title, we're going to talk about this, Pilot Recruiter. Hello. Yes. <laughs> you... God help you guys. Joining us after a day from the corporate grind and interviews from his home somewhere in Justin, Texas. Please help us in welcoming to the show our very own Mr. Alex D. Alex, how you doing? Like 
Rob, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, you know, like our group chat just, hey, can we record this week? No, 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 no. You know, it's it's just been kind of a, a blessing that like we could get two of us, let alone three of us together to do a podcast. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's been crazy, and I do appreciate your time and the effort that all of you put in. Uh, we spoke to Kyle and Roger this morning, and Terry as well. Terry thought maybe he could join, but he's he's out there flying the line, doing his international wide-body flying, Terry. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Roger as well, uh, very busy right now. He's actually flying as well. And Kyle, I believe, is starting a trip or finishing a trip today, so... Yeah, all of us have just been crazy busy. And I do understand for those listeners out there that have been sending me messages and emails, you know, when are you going to do another show? Come on, man. We're waiting for you. Um, I, I just can't it's tell nice you how much. We have guys out there like that. <laughs> we, we actually, we have some. Yeah. And I'm very appreciative. We actually have some audio feedback Couple. as well yeah. uh, that we'll play at the end the of the two show. Two listeners, yeah. Yeah, or, all, all five. Cool. Well, hey, we got five. We got five listeners. That's okay. all good. <laughs> they're very. It's it's down to three now since we're you know barely okay. recording. Yeah, that's true. And they're very loyal. You know, thanks, mom. You know, it's it's all it's yeah. all awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, yeah. a little uh, update on uh, on what I've been up to and why I've been so busy. Um, as the listeners know that have been following the show, um, I was very fortunate uh, earlier in the year that I was awarded an upgrade and. It only took five and a half years at a mainline carrier. And like Rob, who, you know, went before me, uh, gave me all his, his cliff notes in the gouge. Thank you, Rob. It was very helpful. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, had to go through this, right? And we all have to go through this at some point. It's, a, it's an honor to do it. And you, you think that just because you're sat in the right seat as a first officer and for years and you feel that you know your aircraft, you know the, the policies and procedures and you think you're ahead of the plane and every once in a while you'll fly with a really sharp captain and you'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I like that. I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to start doing that for when I upgrade. Uh, and then occasionally you'll fly with a captain that's like, what the heck, how the heck did you get here? And then you're like, I'm not going to do that when I upgrade. Well, here I am. I've gone through the training. It was a very long process. It wasn't arduous. It was just time consuming to study, to get the flows right. And we were talking in the pre-show that I was doing all these flows as a first officer and I kind of just, you know, I got it done. I knew what needed to be done. I sit here and chick, 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 I did one flow and maybe we we're missing a, flu- a fuel slip or maybe they hadn't catered us yet or maybe we were waiting on a logbook. So I would do a modified flow and I'd come back and I'd just, you know, do my thing. But Times have changed through our AQP program, and because we have so much uh, new training going on, uh, people upgrading, new hires coming in, uh, people from different backgrounds, people from different ages. We talked about this recently on the last show about professionalism and how do you how do you operate in a flight deck where you have a forty plus year age gap between you and the pilot next to you? Sometimes some communication barriers are there organically and you have to recognize them and get past them. So these are all the things that we have developed. And especially with the flows and the checklist, they really want you to do each flow independently now, not all together as long as it gets done, all the things you've heard over 20 plus years of flying with AQP and training and requalifications. And now they want us to do things more by the book. Don't put anything extra in there. If there's a comma, 
you know, there should be a pause. If there's the word and, you can use the word and. If the word and is not in the checklist, don't say park and brake on and set. I actually was told, excuse me, there's no and in that. Verbatim. And I was like, um, uh, okay, sorry. Uh, parking brake on. Check. <laughs> and this is how kind of stickler they've become in the training department lately. And it all has to do with, we want you to be as close to SOP when we release you out onto the world, because you're going to be flying with so many people that have done this short course training that we want you to be able to spend the time mentoring and polishing the stone versus just trying to get a sharp edge on that knife. So it's been a very interesting transition for me. Uh, it took a lot of time out of my out of my life. I've got some other things going on with remodeling, and and uh, I was supposed I was slotted to go to France for the XLR program for the Airbus. Uh, I was one of four pilots picked with the company to go um, to Toulouse for a week, and I found out recently that I am the backup captain, um, and which makes sense because as in terms of sitting in the airplane, I have a lot of time on the on the Neo which is what the requirement was, but I didn't have a lot of time in the left seat. So they sent a obviously more qualified captain that's going to be leaving here in a week to go to France for this program. And I'm the backup. So if anything happens to this guy, whoever it is, they won't tell me smart move. Um, <laughs> if anything happens to them, then I'll get the phone call and go, Hey, we need you on a flight to France tomorrow. Can you do it? Um, so that that's where I sit with that. Uh, the other thing is I've signed up to be a, a cadet program mentor. So I'll be joining Kyle in the ranks of individuals that will be going to flight schools that are associated with the Legacy Airlines cadet program. And I'll be talking to young individuals on a weekly basis and occasionally having some meet and greets. And so it'll be interesting. Uh, really, that's the whole point of this podcast, right? To talk about the journey of today's aviator and tell stories about what we do here on the mainline side of things, because really, for the most part, most people, this is where they want to end up. So uh, that's what I've been up to. Not much. Just chilling. <laughs> and I just, again, want <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to reiterate, thank you again uh, to all of you out there for being patient uh, for the show. I know, you know, there was a time where we had one a week, but yeah, once a month is it's probably going to be the normal for a little while anyway, maybe until the next season. And then we can start ramping things up again. But we want to hear about it too. Are you are you okay out there as a listener uh, listening to the show uh, once a month, or would you rather shorter shows with more frequency? I know that's where direction we were going before I got the upgrade um, schedule. So uh, we want to hear back from you. So make sure you send us some feedback. But enough about that. Very excited today to reintroduce a former guest from. Uh, Flight 111. And that's when we learned what it was like out there on the line flying a wide body. We've had updates from our next guest. He was sending us videos from his layovers where we got to enjoy the walkabouts that he took all over Europe and around the world. And we are just so appreciative to have him here with us today. So let me introduce our featured guest. He is a now retired wide body captain and a podcaster and film producer. His journey in aviation dates back to the year 1980, when he graduated from San Jose State University with the Bachelors of Science in Aeronautics, Aviation, Aerospace Science, and Technology. 
He furthered his education at USC, where he earned a Master's of Science in Aviation Safety. He also has a degree in digital media. Makes sense. He is a consultant at Eon Reality and the VP of Renzone, a digital media, analytics, and higher education company. He is also the host and creator of the Klezmer podcast, which highlights Klezmer and Jewish musical artists from around the world. He first joined us, as we mentioned, on Flight 111, the Long Haul Rhythm, back on the 8th of June, 2022. He joins us again today to talk about his recent experiences going through the retirement process at Legacy Airlines. Please help me in welcoming back to the show, Captain Keith Holsinger. Captain, how you doing? Hi, Tony. Hi, everybody. Doing pretty good today. I just got back from playing some tennis, so uh, life goes on, actually, after retirement. So just uh, not so many trips to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that's got to be one of the most curious transitions for us line pilots out there. Um, we all talk about the retirement date, oh, age 65. You know, lately, a lot of the news has been revolving around age 67 and maybe even age 70 coming. Um, a lot of the questions I've asked some of the people I've had the privilege to interview over the last few years is, would you stay if they changed it to 67 or longer? And let me ask you, if tomorrow they say, hey, you know what? They just passed the law. You can go to age 67 in 364 days. Would you come back? That's a tough question. Uh, there's a lot of uh, interest in in doing that. But at the same time, yeah, it's been 38 years, and uh, I feel like it's time for somebody else to take over, like you guys. Um, the old uh, saying, uh, congratulations on retiring, I'll get out of my seat, that, that holds <laughs> true. <laughs> um, that's been from the dawn of aviation since they invented captains, and uh, I, I think it's still true today. Now, there's um, life after airline retirement. There's other flying that can still be done. And uh, I'm exploring those options and looking forward to uh, the next step in the career. Yeah. So you're, you're not done with flying. That's what I'm hearing. No, I, I, I figure as long as I can still pass the physical and uh, as long as I can still pass the check ride and find the airport, um, <laughs> uh, I'll keep going as long as it's fun. <laughs> oh yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I'm glad to hear that. Um, I've flown with a few people lately. And of course, one of the topics of conversation, especially on those transcons, you know, you sit there for four five, six hours and got to have something to talk about. So, you know, I, I like to poke the bear sometimes and, and say, so, uh, are you going to fly after you retire? And I'm surprised how many pilots actually go, hell no, I don't want to be anywhere near an airplane or an airport after I retire. I'm done. And I'm always surprised by that. Has that always been your reaction as well? Like, why would you want to stop doing what you love? Um, well, a lot of people don't love it. So I've found uh, a lot of people only went into aviation as a career without the first step of um, the recreational aspect of it. Mm. So a lot of people um, and you guys have seen this. A lot of people don't have a recreational interest in flying or an interest in flying something that's uh, not airlines. So, and that's fine. Those people, they, they want to buy their motorhome and go cruise the country or um, 
do nothing by, by a sailboat and go sail around the world or, or whatever, as long as it doesn't involve an airplane or an airport, they're quite happy. Um, those of us that uh, basically grew up with aviation and with a love of uh, anything that flies um, and who never got out of uh, airplane flying outside of the airlines, that I've always kept up general aviation interests. I've always kept my CFI current. I've always gone flying at whatever opportunity I've had outside of the airline. Yeah. And that hasn't changed. I've been flying a Bonanza uh, in the five weeks that I've been retired and been having a great time. So that uh, hadn't changed. Uh, only the, the airline side of it has changed. So it's more of a shift to other kinds of flying. And um, uh, looking forward to seeing where I fit in that new job market. So there's a lot of exploring to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that can be both exciting, I think, and daunting as well, because there's a lot of GA flying out there, a lot of corporate flying out there to be had, especially with the youngsters that are in corporate and they stay there a few years. And the second uh, carrier will call them, they're like, I'm out. That's my goal. Um, so I would imagine that with all the hiring that's happening, there should be some open opportunities uh, for a pilot with as much experience as you have to be gobbled up by this corporate operator and say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not afraid of you, you know, leaving us in a few months to go to a bigger and better. You just want to fly. So um, the, the opportunity, I'm right. Well, it's the, exciting. There, that's an interesting point because um, there are some out there that are looking for retired airline people, as you point out, to have some stability in their operation and people that um, are going to jump at the next available opportunity. On the other hand, there's a bit of a stigma with airline retirees um, in the non-airline world that uh, makes, makes it a little bit harder to make the transition because of some assumptions uh, as to what the expectations of those pilots that our former airline people would have in the, in the uh, non-airline uh, sector. So yeah. there's, uh, you know, there's, as Captain Roger has pointed out, there's no dispatch, there's no load planners, there's no weather department. Uh, a lot of those things are, are done by the crew. So uh, some people are easy with making that transition and going back basically to what I would consider my roots or some people find that as uh, too much of a task to take on and, and aren't willing to stick that out for very long. Yeah. So there's two sides to that. And um, you know, if the stigma can be overcome uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of places are looking for, uh, type ratings on the equipment they're flying or hours in, in those airplanes and coming from just the airline side with a Boeing or Airbus or a Douglas uh, type rating that in some cases doesn't buy you a lot of uh, credibility or street cred, whatever, um, in the world of uh, the smaller jets. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a little bit of a of a navigational hurdle, but. Uh, it's uh, an exciting time, I think. 
Yeah. You know, and thank you for mentioning Captain Roger. Uh, I was just going to mention that, you know, he and I have had this conversation many times. I've fl- flown with plenty of captain over the years that they're already looking forward to, hey, I'm going to retire in six months and I really want to fly corporate, but, you know, you have a, because I mentioned that I have a friend who is the director of flight ops. Can you get me a job? And Roger's always mentioned to me that both of what you've said, the pros and cons of looking for work post-retirement is in, in many aspects, you know, you have, if a pilot truly does love flying and loves the job and has the professionalism that's required to stay safe out there, then yeah, absolutely. You want to hire somebody with all that experience. And at the same time, a corporate operator might look at that and go, well, they want to be spoon fed all, like you said, you know, they, there is no dispatch. There is no weather report. You have to do that. Right. And you have to go back to your GA world and what you were doing when you're building hours. And, but now we have all these apps like ForeFlight, and we have a weather apps and everything's on a tablet. And even your ADSB is your traffic, your TCAS is on your tablet when you're flying GA. So you would think that that aspect of the pilot that is, you know, retired and now wants to continue to fly corporate and they, but they don't want to do the work. A lot of that work has been minimized by the technology that's available today. So you would think that that's no longer as big a deal as it used to. Well, certainly. And those, those apps you mentioned are pretty much uh, in common with what we've had at the airline. So Mm -hmm. uh, in that regard, it's pretty similar. So it's just the, the scheduling, the operation, the randomness of the uh, assignments, yeah, that uh, kind of dictates you know the way the way they operate. So it's a little bit like you know being on reserve a little bit more of the time, yeah. And uh, it's, some of it is scheduled, so you know it's all over. And I'm still exploring that. So I, I've had some interest. Uh, I, I've had uh, one job offer. Um one exploratory interview and uh, somebody reached out to me uh, just this week already to uh, look at something else. So it's an interesting time. And the hard part is to find something that fits the retiree mindset. And at the same time, you know, I want to be giving back to the industry because there's a lot of new people coming through and it's guaranteed that I'll be flying with, uh, lower time individuals that are, like you say, looking to get to the airline at some point. So it's important to give them a good foundation for whatever their career steps take them in the future. So that's yeah, um, a really important part of whatever comes up uh, in the next phase. So yeah. it, it's, it's fun. It's challenging. It's daunting. Um, but we're going to be, looking at a lot of things so there's uh gonna be something out there where where i'm gonna fit in i'm sure absolutely you know and we're and i look forward to hearing about it i'm sure you'll give keep us updated you know we really do appreciate all your updates that you've sent us over the years um and, and if you're just joining us and you you're like well who's tony talking to right now captain keith has been on our show 
a multitude of times. The first time that we had a full show dedicated to him was Flight 111, as we mentioned in the intro. If you haven't heard it, or maybe you're just joining the show as a listener and you haven't gone back to, to the archives and listened to the other shows that we put on, this is episode 139, so there's plenty of shows. Eh, the first 10 or 15, you could probably skip because those were the early days of my podcasting. You know, I, I'm still proud of them, you know, but, but some of the shows have been absolutely riveting with some amazing guests. You absolutely are there with us, and you told us all about how you started your career, how you ended up being a wide body captain. So I highly encourage you listeners out there that if you haven't already heard episode 111, go back and you'll hear all about Keith and his journey and how he started and how much he has to give back to the community, the aviation community. We're talking about 40 uh, plus year age gaps. Um, and let me tell you, as a, as a young person who started out not knowing anything about aviation other than I like airplanes, um, I was reliant on getting to know people that have been in the industry a while, flying with people and asking them questions, not just sitting there and, you know, looking at uh, this, the USA Today and reading the article and saying, hey, are you going to do the Sudoku on that one? Can I do that one? You want to do the cross proposal? Because I don't know words that good. So, you know, What's the USA Today? Yeah, that was called a newspaper, Alex. It, they used to have one for free in the lobby of every hotel. So you'd get up in the morning, you'd go get your free coffee, you'd grab this thing called a newspaper. The ink smelled fantastic, got all over your fingers. And then when you're out on the flight line and you're cruising, autopilot's on, you're at 37,000 feet, you pull that thing out. And we called it FM3, right? A flight manual for three. And we would sit there and we would read and we would trade sections. You're like, hey, you got the sports section? Let me see that. Yeah. Come on, Alex. Come on. <laughs> so, Oh, I know. I know. I was just, I was just giving you shit. I, my, please. The stories of my dad, you know, with FM3 open across the windscreen at 37,000 feet while he's reading. You know, doing the same thing that you're saying. The, hey, 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 you going to do the crossword in that? Let me, let me have a crossword. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, uh, uh, legacy one, two, three, uh, traffic, uh, 12 o'clock, thousand feet above, uh, pause, passing by a uh, 737, uh, looking, <laughs> hey, you got that uh, yeah. entertainment section, <laughs> but I digress. Um, so yeah, you have so much to offer uh, captain and I'm really looking forward to hearing about your progression and what's next for you. Um, what we wanted to really highlight today is your transition from being a line pilot to retirement and now the future uh what's coming at what point did you realize that your line flying career at legacy was slowly coming to an end was it you know years prior that you started to feel it or was it something that happened kind of the last second didn't really hit you until it was happening well you know i really was noticing from about the last two years. So oh. I said, well, shoot, I have two years to go. And there's some places that I wanted to fly to that I hadn't been yet. So um, over the last two years, I was doing a lot of dropping my trips at my home base and picking up trips in other bases. That uh, was a, a really cool feature of our uh, earlier contract. Mm -hmm. So I got to fly with all the crews from all the bases and fly to a lot of the places that um, I wanted to get to. And um, I sent you some of the uh, videos from those adventures. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, that 
I had an opportunity to do that I wouldn't have had if I'd only flown the trips that were assigned at our base. But uh, then it got down to one year and then six months and uh, my last trip through CQT and my last time uh, living the leaving the simulator building. Mm. And uh, the last time, you know, a a lot of last times of a lot of things, you know, the last uh, breakfast burrito. (laughs) (laughs) You remember all that stuff. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, and then it got down to about three months and then I'm really starting to think of the places that I hadn't been. Um, I used all of my vacation. So I had vacation, um, from the beginning of June through the first week of July. So, uh, we did some vacationing. I went to the Paris air show. Wow. Um, a lot of things that that uh, wanted to get done that I that were happening in that time frame that I wouldn't have been able to do if I'd been flying a full schedule. Right. So then uh, in July, I flew four trips out of, out of Kennedy. I flew to uh, Barcelona, Delhi, uh, Athens, and Paris. So nothing out of the West Coast. And then in August really um was more of a retirement month rather than a, a final trip i did three trips the first one on premium so i got that last um yes. premium trip um <laughs> <laughs> uh, on 3 hours notice to go to london by the way so impressive um it, yeah it's like okay one more time let's let's uh let's do this yeah, and then nice. uh the final two trips uh, were also to London in, in uh, earlier in August. And that was uh, the more of a big deal because I had the family and uh, my, one of my best friends from college and his wife that went and they went uh, on my first of those last two trips over and they all wanted to spend five days. So they didn't want to just go and have a 20 hour layover and, and fly back. So they all went my trip over, spent five days. So I flew back, had a day off and flew out to London again and then brought everybody home on my final flight. Wow. So, wow. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that, but, um, that was, um, really the highlight and everything went fantastically. I can talk a little bit more in length in between uh, whatever questions you have about that. Okay. Yeah, I know that it's, it's always been so varied. You know, you, you talk to people on the flight deck and I've flown with a, a few pilots that have had a countdown timer on their phone and they're like, oh yeah, well, let's check it out. Oh, there's a uh, 1,517 hours before, you know, whatever, you know, but, uh, and before <laughs> I retire. They used to count the number of bit sheets left. Bit sheets, yeah. <laughs> I have 17 bit sheets left. Yeah. Um, and others are like, I don't even want to think about it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I ask them, are you going to do the, 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 the water cannon salute? Are you going to do the whole final fight thing and the cake and the party? And I'm like, nah. And then a lot of them call, it, call out sick for their last flight. I'm like, what? I, I, I don't get that. I don't. Uh, for me, it should be like a huge celebration because now, how many millions of lives a, have a, you? A, 
been in charge. I, of. I will tell you a funny thing. So that that um, uh, my last two trips, the first one where everybody was um, going with me on my flight, flight standards did call me and ask me if I'd um, like to be displaced for um, uh, somebody wanted to buy a trip. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So I could have stayed home and uh, not done the trip, but I said, "Hey, look, you know, I'm retiring. All my family is on this trip." Right. Uh, I'd really like to fly it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't believe but it. But I could have checked that last box too of getting this place one more time. Yeah. That's my last displacement. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the last displacement. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for you. Um, I, you know, you had reached out to me and, and told me, you know, hey, this is going to be my final flight in LAX. And, uh, you know, I was flying. Otherwise, I would have found that a very fun day to be a part of. Now, did you do the whole water cannon salute and everything and and have a... Uh... Well, we did the cannon salute. It was not the water cannon salute because uh, at LAX, they no longer do the water portion of that. Really? Mm. Uh, I think... Hmm. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, somebody told me it's like environmental concerns from the county or some something to that effect. But wow. uh, the last arrival was uh, it. It was after sunset, so it was nighttime already. But uh, the two fire trucks uh, met me on the taxiway and had all their lights on. Really pretty. Cool. Uh, a lot of flashing red lights, and they got on the radio and and congratulated me on the on the career and wish me happy retirement. Wow. Um, it was a very nice, uh, thing for the, uh, uh, Los Angeles airport, uh, fire authority people to, uh, yeah. do. Yeah. And I appreciated that very much, but, uh, let me back up a, a little bit when, uh, I left on that first trip. That's when we had a bit of a celebration in the uh, LAX flight office and hmm. our uh, union um, uh, family awareness and Finney flight organizers organized uh, a little reception and everybody had uh, some cupcakes and meetings with the flight department people. Nice. So it was a nice send off to get that trip started. And then on the way back in uh, London operations. When I uh, went to go check the paperwork, they had the most giant retirement cake I've ever seen. Wow! Uh, wow. I can send you guys a, a photo of that if yeah. uh, you didn't see it already in some fashion. But it took like two people to carry this cake on the on up to the aircraft, and it was probably enough cake for the everyone on board it's nice. the biggest thing i've ever seen wow wow um it's impressive uh, everybody decorated uh, the gate where we departed decorated the aircraft very cool and yeah uh, yeah it, it was <laughs> yeah that's uh, awesome. a really nice thing from start to finish we uh called for our ifr clearance from from heathrow uh, delivery mm -hmm. And the controller at the Heathrow delivery read a little congratulatory message. Uh, it's your final clearance to Los Angeles and congratulations on retiring. Um, oh. That was also very nice. Yeah. Wow. When uh, uh, 
we were over the North Atlantic. The controllers uh, sent us a, a ACARS message congratulating me. When I was over Canada, I had free texted uh, the controller mentioning that this was my last flight and to thank the NAV Canada for all the years of handling uh, all the flights that I've been on. And they responded with a very nice ACARS message congratulating me on my retirement. Wow. Then when I got to the U.S. border, every controller that we spoke to, when they handed us off to the next controller, congratulated me on retiring. Wow. So that was really cool. When I got to uh, talking to Denver Center, the controller said from Denver, clear direct to Los Angeles airport. (laughs) And then he said, I know that probably won't hold for you all the way to Los Angeles, but I'm going to clear you for it. (laughs) Cool. So whoever that controller is, if if you're listening to this podcast, that was the (laughs) most fun thing any any controllers ever told me. That is so cool (laughs) to hear. Um, Congratulations uh, on on behalf of all of us here. Um, And uh, Alex had to leave uh, in the middle of the podcast he has uh, a back to school night with his children tonight so he had to abruptly take off so you won't be hearing alex uh, for the rest of the show Uh, we've been talking to captain keith about his retirement and rob actually is going to be with us only for a few more minutes Uh, so we're going to hear more about captain keith and we're going to hear about rob's recent in-flight diversion right after the break And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the break. Well, we've been really enjoying hearing about the retirement process from Captain Keith. Rob is going to be taking off here pretty soon as well. He's got, you guessed it. I'll give you one guess, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think Rob has to do this evening with his, I'll give you a hint, children? Can't be volleyball, is it? Uh, you know what? I think you're right, Rob. I think you have to go oh, to volleyball shoot. practice and take the yeah. kids. Oh, so, man. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You have you are one of the most dedicated volleyball parents. But you know, as oh, as I've learned over the years, every single person that I meet that has a child in volleyball, it has has to be one of the most arduous and time consuming schedules that any parent in sports can have. That is amazing how much time you've dedicated to getting the kids where they needed to go, going across the country, taking flights, taking road trips for volleyball. And you know what? It's paid off because now, you know, you got it's Jordan, all been worth it. Jordanson College and yep. pretty That's soon, right. you know, you're going to have two yep. in college. So I have two in college, <laughs> empty nesters. Yeah, you're right, man. Yeah. Just multiply it by two. But uh, um, yeah, it's been totally worth it. Yeah. Thoroughly well, enjoyed it. It's uh it's it's fun to watch them grow through the sport yeah. and uh, to go on and play the game at the college level is, yeah, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Now you're a lucky man and, and you and your wife, I'm sure, are just beaming with pride. I can tell by your social media yeah. presence. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Rob, it. I want it in the pre-show, we were talking about what we've been up to. And I, yeah. I just, before you need to go, um, can you just give us a little mm-hmm. background on what you recently had to do? You were a captain of a flight. Yeah. From, what was it, Miami to somewhere? Yeah, we're Orlando to Phoenix. Or Orlando so, to Phoenix, um, okay. Yeah. Nice little flight, what yeah. happened? Orlando to Phoenix, 
Yeah. So uh, here I am in the fifth month of uh, the left seat and uh, just starting to really, you know, hit my stride right now. I, at least I feel that way. Um, and we go through the pre-flight, had four, uh, four great flight attendants as, uh, you know, most of, most of our flights are, are, uh, are built with just great professionals and great work and uh, coworkers back there. So went through a good pre good pre-flight briefing and and talked about um, the flight and everything. And uh, we got to the portion where hey, you know we're we're scheduled to have uh, breakfast on this flight. So you know I know you got uh, first class passengers to feed and stuff like that. But you know appreciate you can get to us as soon as uh, you're done with them. And they're like okay, sounds good. So we launch off out of. Uh, Orlando at like seven o'clock in the morning and we're uh, there was a little bit of weather over the Gulf. So they sent us over the panhandle and uh, we reached uh, we a beam like Tallahassee and we get the uh, the call from the uh, from the flight attendant and I'm like, all right, Ding cool. Dong. It's breakfast time. You know, look over here. What do you want to drink? Coffee, <laughs> orange juice, you know, we're like, OK, yeah, we got it all. So I so all right, you're a craft, your radios. All right. So I pick up the. Uh, the uh, call and the flight attendants hey we got a code red back here uh we got a male passenger who's uh unconscious right now non-responsive we have a um uh, a medical uh, uh physician that's on board that's attending to the individual um he seems to be um slowly coming back but right now he's he's unresponsive oh i need the uh, poc i need the uh dispatcher's uh um desk number yeah a number again <laughs> i was like well yeah i, I gave that to the during the brief but uh, yeah it's one one <laughs> desk one one and i'm like all right don't forget your uh you know take out your meese sheet out of your grab and go kit um update me as soon as possible and uh rely on your training and you know, try to take a breather. You guys are doing great. Call me back here in five, 10 minutes if you can. Like, okay. So immediately I come back. I'm like, we're not eating breakfast. <laughs> we got a medical emergency in the back. Um, start thinking of a, you know, the medical diversion we can go to. Right now I'm looking at um, New Orleans is, you know, probably the best uh, you know, as we progress through. I think New Orleans is probably the best area so far from here um maybe maybe fort walton beach or pensacola but so um yeah pick just open up the fm fom hit you know emergencies and just started going through the checklist and making sure that we did everything we we're supposed to do um flight attendant calls me back and says captain we were talking with the poc and they want us to call them back in 20 minutes with their the latest uh, blood pressure, heart rate, and their overall assessment of the uh, passenger. Okay. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So 20 minutes go by. They call me back and they said, okay, they've had three more episodes in the last 20 minutes. The physician back here is adamant about us diverting. Um. I, I, you know, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I'd, I'd like to divert too, but let's get the, uh, you know, let's get the position on call on board with this and the dispatcher and, and we'll make the decision then. So meanwhile, at that time, we're kind of already pressing past like New Orleans and, or, you know, I, I don't, I think New Orleans was kind of, wasn't out of the picture, but we we're still kind of making our way through the central part of the country. 
And um, I went to go call the POC and the dispatcher through our um, phone app that we have. But would you know, the internet wasn't working <laughs> at that particular point in time. So I'm like, ah, oh, this just complicates things just a little bit more. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just text message him real quick via ACARS. Tell him that I'm going to try to establish contact and update him via ACARS. So just as I finished typing my, you know, two-page sentence on ACARS, which took felt like an eternity, but it probably took like a minute, um, the internet pops back on. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, well, I'm going to send it anyway, but I'm just going to try to get on the uh, call again. And so we got on the call, got got the position on board, and we went back and forth with information and everything. And ultimately, the decision was made to uh, divert into Dallas. So we ended up diverting into Dallas, um, got that passenger, the medical attention that they deserved, and um, proceeded to fill out the uh, AML, the logbook, <laughs> with all the uh, overweight landing information and, um, you know, grabbing uh, a enhanced medical kit being used and oxygen bottles being used and you know, so all that stuff had the plane recatered. Uh, we didn't need fuel because we had a uh, ferry fuel. And um, yeah, it was a lot going on there at the gate. But I'm proud to say that we turned that airplane in 40 minutes Wow! with the maintenance inspection and everything. So um, I think everybody was just, uh, you know, I think it comes down to the communication, um, yeah. you know, thing we keep talking about through training and everything. I made sure that. You know, the dispatcher and MOC knew that we're going to be overweight landing. Uh, we're going to need two oxygen bottles in flight medical kits being used. So, you know, if we can just show up, have that stuff ready to roll, you know, yeah. that that'll expedite the process and the, instead of them just showing up going, well, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So um, it gets busy. I think, you, you know, know you're, anytime you're doing anything, yeah, I was pretty busy. That's like that, you know, a medical emergency or diversion of any kind, even if it's weather related, it gets busy because now you're not just sitting there following in, uh, the lines. You know, you're not coloring inside the lines here, just doing your flows and your checklists on schedule, top of descent, that kind of thing. Now you're completely changing course. You're no longer on those 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 rails per se now you have to completely plot your new plan of action and that means you now have to coordinate at minimum not, not that you have to do it all yourself you have a team behind you i mean we've seen these uh the company has put out these videos now for soc systems operation control and the videos are very informative because a lot of times you think you're the only ones out there and you're on your own out here but that's not oh. the case you have a team teams of people that are like hey that's did you true. hear about flight 11 it's going here it's going there uh or flight 17 yeah. whatever so you you have all these people looking out for you and all you have to do sometimes is just go, I want this or I want that. I need <laughs> to be catered. They yeah, burnt, they burnt my biscuits in the oven because they were dealing with the medical. I want new biscuits. <laughs> they will get them to That's you. Right. And it's a good thing. We were talking about yep. that. It's a good thing you went to Dallas instead of New Orleans because the services you would have probably received in New Orleans was going to be very limited. Yeah, you probably weren't yeah, going to get catering. The, uh, Contract yeah, I think maintenance. the challenges would have been like the uh, 
probably the oxygen bottles would have been the big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they didn't have any oxygen bottles there, that's something that you can't, uh, from what I know, you can't fly them in because they're oxygen. They're in bottles. I think right. they actually have to be driven in. But I think most stations keep supplies of those things. But right. Or contractor you never know. I mean, I was in the a, airport or something. Yeah, yeah, I was in a right. I was in a situation two, three months ago where we I think we were flying out of Des Moines and the flight was delayed um, for close to 12 to 15 hours because they had to drive in oxygen bottles from Chicago. Nobody mm. had any oxygen bottles. So, wow. Um, well, obviously sounds- we want to get the passenger to the medical, the medical attention they need and get them on the ground as quickly as we can. But, um, you know, I th- by the time it all evolved, Dallas was the best place to go. Yeah. And can and, you imagine uh, being a passenger like that? And, and you're like, Oh, I paid for a ticket from Orlando <laughs> to, <laughs> to yeah. somewhere in phoenix and i ended up in uh yeah. dallas now i'm at a hospital yeah. in dallas and your family's like where are you <laughs> I, yeah the crazy thing is i think we were only uh like 45 minutes to an hour late in the phoenix which you know that could have been way worse than that oh, yeah. you know because oh, yeah. um, yeah, i think we were already like 20 30 minutes early just by you know the way they overblocked these things we were mm-hmm. supposed to be 20 30 minutes early as it was so um it 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 went you know as smoothly as i feel like it could ever wet you know um you're in a 321 so yeah yeah so 170 passengers up up, unless it's a neo and it up to 200 i think or 100 yeah it was a neo yeah i think we had 198 or something like that yeah so i mean that's a lot of people to to try to accommodate and you're only getting like one or two people off the airplane for the medical issue but then you know everybody's like yeah i'm not gonna make my connection yeah, that that was definitely the concern, and um, there not, was a, a not a passenger hey, is that guy going to be okay there, right on the. Sp- <laughs> Can, I'm gonna yeah, go. yeah, there, there, there was definitely people that were uh, talking about, it. and that was the other challenging thing was, I, and I looked in the FM one or the F. I keep calling the FM one FOM. That's old school, and there's no real good guidance on what kind of a PA to make in that kind of situation. So you kind of have to just, you know, form formulate one together, and you know that's part of the job. Yeah. Um, and I think I did a pretty good one, but, um, you know, at the, at the end I was like, okay. And, you know, secondly, you know, I'm sure everybody's wondering about their connections and everything like that. And I said, that is, you know, that is secondary to this person's medical attention right now, but, you know, I'm sure what we're going to probably do is have a, a customer service agent meet us at the gate and yeah. we'll be able to, anybody's concerned about their connections after we get the medical thing taken care of, we could talk to the service agent and, and progress from there but the plan is for us to turn the airplane and get it a phoenix as uh quickly but as safely as possible so yeah. uh, well good job that, that's how it went uh, doing your cap <laughs> captaining uh fantastic job yeah. um you know i'm really I'm proud to hear that everything went so well and only 45 minutes late that's that's fantastic yeah yeah uh, now, let me jump yeah, in here a second cool. too because i also got to check that medical emergency box last month really I got one more before I retired as well. Wow. <laughs> wow. One more. And all the SERS reports so, that come after it too. <laughs> well, Rob, you got your first one. You're going you're gonna to have a few more before you sure. retire. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, just a few. <laughs> well, hey, Tony, Keith, I got to go. My wife is, uh, yeah, yeah, hey, we got to go. <laughs> so, hey, Kat, congratulations on your retirement, Captain. I wish you, you all the best. And look forward to hearing uh, some more interesting stories along the way. Yeah, hopefully I'll have some more interesting things to tell you guys. So, Yes, sir. 
Good All talking right, to you, Rob. Congrats. We look forward All to right. it. And Rob, thank Cody. you so much for sharing uh, your story with us. And uh, make sure your uh, your yeah. daughter's volleyball team <laughs> kicks some serious butt today. Yeah, it's a big game today, so yeah. we, we got to take out the uh, crosstown rivalry. So we're going to go head out That's there That's it. Now. Go represent. Cheer them on. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, Rob. Rob. All right. Take care. See ya. And then there were two. And then there were two. Now, Rob just told us all about his medical divert. It was his first sitting in the left seat at a mainline carrier. Now, you've had, I'm sure, hundreds of these kind of situations over the years. You just mentioned your, your, your last medical divert, the last one I'll ever have to do, at least <laughs> at the airline. Um, you have a first one and you have a last one. The first and the last. You never forget those, right? Um, but you probably have had some pretty major, like, diversions for things that were beyond the usual what's what was the craziest divert you ever had well there's there's two one was a mechanical one was uh uh weather well actually the weather a few other ones but um the mechanical one was uh on an md80 uh from the west coast to chicago and we got about the vicinity of Albuquerque and we noticed the left engine uh, oil quantity decreasing. Ooh. And I also the first reaction is, oh, that's odd. <laughs> mm-hmm. And <laughs> is it the gauge? Is it is it really happening? And so we monitored it a little bit and yeah, it would it was continuing to decrease. So um we decided to divert into Denver. And told them the controllers our situation, so we diverted to Denver. And of course, they gave us the the slam dunk because they're trying to be helpful. And of course, we we're a little bit too high, so we had to go around. Uh, we we had the um, that engine throttled back to try to reduce the oil loss, which. Uh, was a good thing as it turned out where, where the, the oil leak was, we found out after we landed. But anyway, we did a, a go-around go in Denver, and then they brought us around for the crossing runway and made an uneventful landing there, turned off the runway, and did a normal shutdown on that engine, single-engine taxi, the remainder of the time to the gate. So we didn't have an in-flight shutdown. It was a normal shutdown. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, the oil quantity was showing very close to zero, but after we landed is when we got actually a, a, a indicator light for that. So we, we did the normal shutdown, uh, taxi to the gate, apologize to the passengers for the disruption of their travel plans. Yeah, uh, maintenance came out. Uh, they had to change uh, one of the lines on the oil uh, system. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it wasn't the oil pump, but just one of the lines. They, so they replaced that and filled up with oil, test ran it. We're out of there in about 90 minutes and back on our way to Chicago. So wow. That worked out really well. Yeah, I'd say. Um, the funny, funny uh, diversion for weather one time, we were going from DFW. We we're supposed to stop in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, and then continue on to Richmond. Well, Norfolk had fogged in and they were below minimums. And I'm talking to dispatch. They wanted me to divert to 
at that time, uh, Raleigh was uh, one of our hubs, so they wanted to go to Raleigh so that they could reaccommodate the passengers. And I told them, well, but we're going to Norfolk and then Richmond. So all of our passengers are going to Norfolk or Richmond, one or the other. Why don't we just go to Richmond and then maybe bus the people back over to Norfolk? And so they thought that was an okay idea. So we diverted to Richmond, which made the Richmond people happy because they were going to get there sooner. Mm-hmm. And we landed in Richmond, and then we were told to we had to wait for a gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the holding area, um, and I saw from where we were sitting that their gate was vacant. There was nothing there, but we, they told us to wait. So we waited in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, check with them again. Oh, we have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, the gate's not available. I'm looking at a, a vacant gate. So I finally said, why are we waiting for this now vacant gate? So, well, we're waiting for this inbound flight from Norfolk to arrive before you can use the gate. So, well, we're going to be waiting a very long time because that's us. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, I said, why don't you get us a gate? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, those kinds of things can happen because they're going to wait for that flight to come in from Norfolk no matter what. So, right, right. Uh, got that straightened out. We got to the gate. They bust the people uh, back to Norfolk that, that were going there. So, yeah. Uh, that was that was a funny one. Yeah, I've had I've had a very similar situation. I think uh, I mentioned it probably a good dozen years ago in Chicago. You know, you're going to go to the holding pad, okay? Uh, what gate are we waiting for? Uh, whatever, G seven. Uh, okay, uh, what are we waiting on? Uh, we're waiting for the crew to show up so that they can fly that airplane off the gate, and then you can park there. I'm like, what's the flight number? <laughs> Going to be a problem. I'm the crew that's <laughs> supposed to fly that one out. So give me another gate. And I, Oh crap. I had that exact same situation <laughs> in Chicago too. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago sometimes it just, you know, they, they do their best, uh, with what they're given and, uh, you know, th- no disrespect to the Chicago operations team there. I've, you know, been flew in and out of there for over a decade and, and they sometimes are trying to, to make something valuable out of nothing. Uh, but yeah, there, that happens a lot in Chicago, uh, especially when they do the first come first serve, uh, nightmare because of the lack of gate space. And yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you've had some, you've had some interesting diversions over the years and we've talked about your transition to retirement. Do you look back and now more than ever and just regale the stories of all the cool things that you've experienced over the years or or is that not quite hit you yet well there's certainly a lot of reflection on what uh opportunities that i've had and what challenges i've had so it's been a lot more fun than than uh than challenging but as a career, I, I wouldn't have traded that for anything. It's always uh, a challenge, even on a nice day of good weather and everything's on time and their airplane's in good shape. Uh, and you can just sit back and enjoy the scenery. Um, those times are great. Uh, other times when there's a weather problem or medical problem or 
uh, airport closed or something else that's come up, uh, unexpected weather. Yeah, you just meet those challenges when they come up and do the best that you can. And yeah. sometimes you get to your destination. Sometimes it, it doesn't look like that's a good idea. But like you mentioned, you've got the, the IOC to, to back you up and a whole team of people on the ground to give you uh, tips. And now that we have onboard weather and all those functions that, that we didn't used to have, yeah, it's a... Uh, a lot easier to make those decisions in cooperation with uh, all the people on the ground that are there helping you. Yeah. Yeah. It really, you know, it's, it's kind of a a weird statement. I've always heard flying has gotten easier over the years. Don't you guys just push that takeoff cruise and land button? Those must be, you know, some tough stuff. You guys don't actually land the airplane, right? You know, and though there's truth to that misconception that technology has definitely evolved and improved safety over the last few decades, especially at the airline level. But it doesn't mean that it's gotten easier. I think we now struggle to have more knowledge. Now we need to know how to use all this information and not get distracted or overwhelmed or complacent. And those are some of the struggles that a modern-day pilot can expect. It's not having to to learn how to navigate using Loran navigation. It's having to juggle which app is appropriate to use. And do I have a Wi-Fi connection so I can actually use that app right now? Um, But over the years, you've, you've had, as you mentioned, more than 30 years out on the flight line. What has been, in your opinion, the biggest struggle for an airline pilot over the course of the last three decades? Well, with the, Constantly evolving of technology, things are always changing. And as you probably have seen, some people um, are more comfortable with technology. Some people are more, shall we say, old school and sometimes resist the technology. So the people that em- embrace it are taking advantage of all the advances that that the system has to offer us. So all of these things from TCAS to EGPWS to ASDX to weather apps, it's all designed to make our job easier, reduce the task loading on the crew, and make more information available so we can make better decisions. Now, having said all that, there's been a lot of high-profile incidents in the last year that have made headlines and have made the FAA um, have the safety meetings from the industry to get feedback and input as to what to do about the current state of aviation safety. And as they pointed out from the FAA that we still have a fantastic safety record and we want to keep that intact. But some of these incidents are poking around the edges of our safety record, and that's a little bit concerning. So what do you do about that? Yeah, uh, they talk about over reliance on technology. You know, the children of the magenta line. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some more. I, I I don't know if you can train it, but interest in the overall picture of what's happening to your airplane and what's happening in your airspace, because you have to be cognizant of not just what you're doing, what the controller is telling you to do, but what do the controller tell the 
airplane in front of you to do? And are you likely to be expecting the same same clearance or the same uh, change in routing because of the weather situation? Yeah. Um, when you hear a controller give an aircraft uh, advise ready to cop have a reroute for you, advise ready to copy. And then he gives that same rerouting to four aircraft in a row. If you're number four, you should be ready for that. Right. So there's, there's a lot of um, need to be aware of, you know, situational awareness, we used to call it. Yeah. Now it's, you know, a green, yellow, red, blue, whatever designation they, they want to come up with a, with a program, but you can't replace the, awareness of the airspace and the situation around you yeah so when the the busier the airspace gets the more important that is because you don't want to miss a a clearance or misunderstand a clearance or take a clearance that was meant for another aircraft or right land when you're not supposed to take off when you're not supposed to turn when you're not supposed to go to the wrong altitude yeah these things are happening and fortunately, we've we've got TCAS that's averted a few uh, near misses already. Yeah. Uh, at or near airports. So while these things are concerning, you know, there's new controllers as well. And I don't know about the experience level of, of the controllers these days, as well as the cockpits of the airliners. There's been uh, the Learjet incident in Boston. So the business aviation is not immune to this. Yeah. GA stuff. Uh, it's it's uh, a broad spectrum of issues that are facing us right now, and vigilance is the the key to all of this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think you're actually. It's a spillover. And what I mean by that is, you know, what you're saying is task saturation and a lack of situational awareness are the two key factors in the modern cockpit that can cause. Getting in the red, if we're gonna if we're gonna borrow a a, a phrase sure. or a terminology from the airline training uh, environment, so you know you're and in the red. recognizing when you're in the red, right? So you're in the red, recognizing it. That's situational awareness, and then getting back to it, and that's really getting back to it. Usually involves a a term that we haven't heard very often, or at least not as much, which is lowest level of automation. That's from a, a coin, a, a term from the Children of the Magenta Line, a very famous video from, from the early 2000s and late 90s. Um, to be so reliant on the technology available to us that has made our jobs a little easier in terms of safety can task saturate us. You drive down any freeway in Southern California, if you don't look into the other vehicles, you're going to feel pretty confident about driving down the road. Everyone's staying in their lane. I'm doing 75 miles an hour, which is the uh, unofficial speed limit on the freeways here. Um, but if you start looking around and you see people, they're making TikTok videos while they're driving their, their car. And they're, you know, they're not paying attention because they're just doing things they're not supposed to be doing. And the reason that we feel confident and our abilities to do that is because the technology has become so easy to use. The platforms have become so second nature that it spills over onto the aviation side. This is the, the topic of our last show. 
um, was, you know, how to keep professionalism in the profession. Now, I'm not trying to stand on any kind of soapbox and say, hey, you know, pay attention to what you're doing and, and it's, you have to do everything black and white and follow the rules and stuff. But what I am saying is you don't, you want to have a long career and you want to be able to retire at 65 and still have a valid license that you can go and fly and do what you love to do. Go fly airplanes. You don't want something to jeopardize that. And this is, this is a great topic. And thank you for sharing your thoughts on it. Task, task saturation and situational awareness are the two things that I think are most important. And that's what the FAA has been focusing on lately. That was the premise of the entire FAA summit that happened earlier in the year. Um, it is why they're cracking down on distractions on the flight deck with cell phone and technology and Wi-Fi and all that stuff. We joke around about, well, we didn't have Wi-Fi. Well, what did you do before you had Wi-Fi? Are you tell me we didn't fly and airplanes were crashing into each other? Of course not. So, yeah, biggest struggle in well, aviation? Definitely. SA. Well, well, let me pose this to you, Tony. So, you're a new captain. And let's say you make a mistake. And maybe you pick up on it right away. Maybe your FO picks up on it because you actually didn't know you made it. Maybe the controller tells you you made it. So what happens now, right? So you try to correct the mistake and then correct it as soon as you notice. Sure. And the whole idea, we all make mistakes and mistakes are going to happen. And hopefully they're the results of that mistake are minimized. Now, here, here's another question. As a captain at the main line versus when you were a captain at the regional, what's the relative impact of making an error? I don't want to call it a mistake. I'll make it an error between the main line and when you were at the regional as a captain. I think, well, what I've observed is it's the scale that changes, not the mistake. If you turn down the wrong taxiway in an Embraer versus turning down the wrong taxiway in a 777, you've, you've still turned down the wrong taxiway. You made an error. And we are all human and we all make them. I, I made a recent error on a recent flight as, as sitting in a left seat during IOE. I made an error. Um, the question is, if I made that error in a smaller jet or even a commercial or general aviation airplane, could I do a UE real quick and get back on, you know, okay, sure. So the scale of the error potentially could still be disastrous, but it might be a little easier to rectify. And there are less eyes on me, less people in the airplane on me. Um, nowadays with technology and everybody's film studio that sits in their pocket, that's on all the time recording in 4k high def. Um, you make a mistake nowadays, especially at a main line, the scale is bigger, meaning you can't just turn that airplane around. Now it's kind of a bigger deal. You got to go down another taxiway. Hopefully you didn't have a conflict with another airplane. Now they got to turn you around and you're back on it. So now you might want to file an ASAP report because maybe traffic was halted because you couldn't correct it easily. It's a bigger, bigger scale. And you have 200 plus people back there tweeting oh my god my captain just had a hard land. like when the united flight had that uh it wasn't even a hard landing it was just a kind of a a more not so gentle landing what was it in uh, santa Ana? and uh 
and the gear came up through the strut, came up through the, the left wing. And I, I watched the video a bunch of times. We kind of talked about it on the show. It's not really what we do here, talk about accidents, but right away there every pilot i knew was like oh man did you see that hard landing that the united crew did i'm like wait a minute you don't you don't know that all you saw was it was raining there was some weather they landed it didn't look that hard to me come to find out the preliminary report from the ntsb was a structural failure caused by structural issues not the pilot that wasn't necessarily even considered a hard landing it wasn't more than one point i think five g's or something like that hard landing underweight it's like what 2.1 so within the limitations of the aircraft. So the pilots really didn't do anything incorrect. Sure, you can argue they could have gone around, they could have waited for the weather, they could have, but they were within their limits, the aircraft limits, the operational limits. So we shouldn't be so quick to judge, A, but immediately within hours of this event happening, it was on the internet. It was on all the news stations because some passenger was filming. So I think to answer your question in two folds, one is nowadays you can't get away with anything. If I made a mistake, everyone's going to know. And now the company's going to be liable to take action, whether that's retrain me or say, hey, you know, he was, he did everything correctly. He just, this was a structural issue. So, but it's guilty until proven innocent in this industry. And now we have witnesses. And the difference between happening at a regional carrier as a captain versus a mainline carrier as a captain is just the scale of if I make a mistake, more people are involved. Does that answer? Right. Yeah. And it's more likely to uh, make the headlines. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. That's part of my, uh, that's part of my briefing, a uh, uh, flight attendant briefing. You know, I talked about safety issues, anything written up in the back, the procedures on the security. And all we want to do here, the goal is we want to get to the hotel without being on YouTube or Twitter or X or whatever they're called nowadays or TikTok. <laughs> that, that's right. You don't want to be the subject of uh, somebody else's show. <laughs> right. Right. I don't want to be somebody else's cl- clicks or likes or whatever. Follows. Right. Right. Well, and good. that's the, the, the good news is that when those things do happen and they do make somebody's show, that it's generally again, as far as the airlines are concerned, not uh, hasn't been a, a life-threatening situation. So we haven't, yeah. you know, fortunately had had anything more serious than uh, say, oh yeah, li- listen to that audio tape or watch what those guys uh, did. And good thing we have uh, ASAP and ASRS and. Mm-hmm. Uh, those programs because that way th- the crews are protected from you know license action so that you can actually as you said make it to retirement right right that's the goal on a right uh, in your career on a oopsie right right well you know just don't put hidden cameras in laboratories and i think you'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> that's a good start <laughs> you know no one ever told me i can't do that god you know i hope they nail that guy oh my god that there's so many stories that have been posted lately in the past seven days that i'm gonna sit here going really it's just shaking my head i'm like i stay home for a week or two after training and this, the whole industry is going to shit <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, it's been fantastic uh, speaking with you today. Uh, before we wrap it up, uh, just a couple more questions. One is, 
I've been told that a lot of people have a philosophy that as long as you continue to live out of your suitcase, you're going to live a long, happy life after retirement. Is, is, do you find this uh, theory plausible? Are you going to still live out of your suitcase, or at least maybe pack a suitcase and, and drag it around for a while, <laughs> a couple times a week? You know, I, I, I've... I've unpacked the suitcase and put it away. You did? Okay. I've unpacked my flight bag and put it away. I've taken all my uniform items out of uh, the closet and put them in the storage closet. Okay. So, uh, slowly transitioning back to, uh, well, I do keep my iPad up to date with my four flights. So, um, one of my friends, uh, for my birthday slash retirement gift gave me a subscription to four flights. So I'm getting familiar with that because nice. I have a feeling I'm going to be using that a lot more in the future. Yep. So something new to learn. And, uh, so I got my, my poster from the flight office that people have signed. I got my, oh, yeah. uh, retirement packet in the mail. So when, you know, when you sign up for Medicare and insurance and um, you see that first uh, uh, check uh, come in from the, from the uh, pension plan. Yeah. uh, Then you say, okay, but see at the moment I'm getting, I get my first pension check and I got, my regular paycheck from last month. Uh-huh. So things were looking pretty good um, as of today. In <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple months, we'll, we'll, when things settle down, well, I guess there's going to be some more money coming in. Yeah, you're going to have a contract. Yeah. Based on uh, the new contract and, and my date of retirement. So it yeah. coincided um, exactly. And fortunately, I'm benefiting a little bit from that. Good. But starting next year, it's going to be whatever uh, comes in the the pension and I'm trying not to touch the 401k and the IRAs and all that. Yeah. And um, whatever I might earn, you know, from uh, employment or consulting or instructing or whatever, whatever yeah. I can fall, my, fall into going forward here. But the re- retirement is uh, it's a, it's a full-time job. And I've always con- considered uh, retirement more as graduation. Okay. So it's like the all right, I finished this. Now what's next? So yeah. Um, uh, recently, uh, I got to meet Billy Nolan, who had recently left uh, as being the acting <laughs> FA administrator. Yeah, and does next chapter, and now he's working for uh, Archer. Uh, uh, EV tall company. Mm -hmm. So when something ends, something else starts and that's part of the journey. And so you can't stay on the path anymore. But like I said, as long as I can keep passing the medical and keep passing the check ride and keep finding the airport, uh, let's keep pressing on see what's next. Yeah. Have you ever given any thought to general aviation instruction, maybe uh, becoming a DPE? I know there's a huge shortage in, in the country for designated pilot examiners, and that's a pretty good money. Uh, I think someone told me recently that uh, check rides are going for about $900 cash now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's true. 
And I don't know that there's a shortage of DPEs, in, at least in our area, but I know there is system-wide, uh, there is. And I haven't looked into uh, the requirements to do that, but that's certainly something to, to look at. Uh, the problem is, as far as I can see it, I haven't done a lot of general aviation instructing mm -hmm. in the last the number of years. So to learn about what's required and then to be able to give check rides in all kinds of airplanes for all kinds of ratings is uh, it, it probably take better part of a year to go through whatever certification yeah. process is needed for that. Yeah, it can be intimidating. But what I, I think I, I can do is do um, some instructing in some of the single engine turbo props that are out there now because uh, I've looked into that to some extent. When somebody buys one of those, they go through the training and then whatever their insurance carrier requires um, what we would consider IOE of 25, 50, well, some number of hours of yeah. going with a qualified instructor before they can take their airplane solo. Right. So that's something that I'm looking into doing as well. That'd be fun because that's uh, more of a short term thing. You go with a with a new owner for some period of time and then yeah. they finish and then you go on to the next one. So that, right. that could be a fun uh, area to look at. Yeah, I've always considered that. I, I, um, was a flight instructor. I was the assistant chief at a place. Uh, and then I got hired on with an airline the same month that my CFI double IMEI was going to expire. And so I thought about just taking the online course. It was going to be so many hours of study to accommodate this online course. And then it would have renewed at the same time. I was on my very first airlines, long-term ground training. So, you know, I, deliberated a little bit with the family. I was like, should I, you know, I, I've worked so hard. It costs so much money. And they all said the same thing. Do you plan on doing any flight instruction for the next 20 or 30 years? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they're like, just let it go. You could always get it again. I'm like, yeah, it's expensive. I'm like, yeah, but you already oh, had yeah. it. So you're a captain, you know. It's easier to keep it going and keep renewing it than to yes. um, do a reinstatement. Yeah. Because then you got to go up with an airplane, so, an instructor, and that, kinda... that's an FA term reinstatement. You don't you don't want to have to do that, right? Right. So I, I <laughs> in kind fact, of I just renewed it. renewed my my CFI here at the beginning of the month. So oh, cool. I'm good for a couple more years. Good, excellent. See, that's that's what I should have done. You know. Ugh. So, but yeah, someday maybe one of my listeners would be like, "Hey, old man, you want to go up? Uh, I'll, I'll help you get your CFI again." <laughs> and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> so so yeah yeah, just remember that. Um, yep. so best advice to a brand new captain. All right. All the <laughs> brand new captains out there. Best advice. Stay one step ahead of your crew. Hmm. That's the best advice because we've all been FOs where you've had to carry the captain. The captain didn't know what to do. The captain didn't do procedure correctly. The captain didn't do this. The captain didn't do that. And you have to, Generally, remind the captain what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be that captain. <laughs> you're you're the one that wants to remind the the fo. Hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. Right. You're the one that needs and, to be the sharp and one. And stay one step ahead, <laughs> because uh, the the last thing you want is to be the the knucklehead dummy captain that doesn't know what to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Sage advice. So thank you. Stay one step ahead and then uh, be nice to your cabin crew. Yes. Work with them. Uh, don't be on the cabin crew's naughty list. Yeah. And that list, it, it, it spreads like a virus. I mean, that, trust me. Because, <laughs> I've, I've heard because about, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it, it comes around. I, I was just, uh, I mentioned to you off, uh, offline here that I recently interviewed and, and was offered a position with, with an operator and one of the management management pilots that I spoke with, uh, wife was a flight attendant with uh, our our airline uh, and asked if they knew me but uh, she didn't but another flight attendant friend of hers that she asked knew me and said yeah captain keith he's great you know you can't do any better than that so when the cabin crew independently without prompting um, thinks highly of you as a yeah. captain and what you do and the way you treat them and the way you run your airplane that comes back tenfold later. Yep. So be nice to your cabin crew. And I, <laughs> I told them whether you have one flight attendant or a 13, you know, be nice to everybody. Yeah. Be nice, be professional, be courteous and, you know, try to put them you know, at the top of your list of priorities, because I've said it a hundred times, if not a thousand times, this is an extremely small industry. Forget about the numbers of how many hundreds of thousands of pilots are out there, jobs are available. It's a very small industry. And the person you're flying with that you might not be getting along with today might be your boss someday or be a, someone that you might need as a reference for a job. So yeah, be, be kind. To each other that's i think that's the key to a successful outcome in the industry because we all we all have the basics down right we all learn how to fly we all do our training we all practice uh, practice standard operating procedures we do our best because we want to continue to have this privilege but in that process what they don't teach you at least they they try but they really can't because it's up to the individual is be nice to your be nice to people passengers cabin crew even the ones you don't like because in the end you need to like you said stay one step ahead and wow and that's an amazing get story to know your chief pilot who gets to know your chief pilot chief be pilot. nice to your chief pilot <laughs> <laughs> yes very much um i know that there's a common it, misconception pilots are people too i i yes they're people too <laughs> they have feelings and they're good enough um no uh there's a common there's a common uh briefing that is is said in jest that is oh my job is to you know not bang up an airplane and uh have the chief pilot not know who i am and that's funny haha but uh no that's not you want the chief pilot to know exactly who you are to have good opinions of you because that way when you need help when you have an emergency you have to taken care of something with your schedule something with your home life you want that chief pilot to go oh yeah tony's a good guy you know what uh, take let's take care of Tony. He's, you know, we're going to, or if they don't know who is this guy, no, Tony needs to get to work. You know, so yes, be kind, be courteous, know your boss. I, I still can't believe how many people fly the line. I've been flying the line for 
a decade or more and you ask them, well, who's the uh, VP of flight right now? Uh, I don't know. Doesn't affect me. I don't know. Uh, who's, who's the, <laughs> who's our chief information systems officer? Oh, I don't know. They keep, they keep changing. Oh, what do I care? I don't keep up with that. How, do you read company emails or do you? Nah. I've, uh, uh. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be going to have a lonely road. And <laughs> not only the chief pilot, but your your fleet captain, your fleet manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, get friendly with them. And, yeah. you know, if you got a suggestion, uh, something that could be done better or you notice uh, you know, app is behaving strangely or if uh there's something that you've seen a couple of times that's come up, you know, let them know. Yeah. Because they're, they're also there to support you. Yeah. 200 times, 200 people have seen that that chart is inaccurate and said, Oh, this company, they can't even get an accurate chart, but that 201st pilot might be a new hire and might go, Hey captain, did you see this charts inaccurate? And then the captain says, Hey, well, you're a new guy. Why don't you send a, you're going to, you're going to want to send an email to our guy in tech pubs. Uh, his name is so-and-so. I'll get you that email. You can send it. I'm like, well, you're the captain. You send it. No, no, you, you make a name for yourself. Send it. Nah, just ask a question. Hey, I noticed this is inaccurate. Am I, am I seeing this okay? Or is there a change coming soon? That happened to me. And sure enough, the, the director of tech pubs emailed me back saying, uh, first officer, Tony, thank you so much for pointing this out. Uh, we're going to put it in the next revision. Cool. And then, you know, further on down the line, you might get a phone call when that person's the director of the uh, fleet and wants you to go to another country to, <laughs> I mean, that's how these things happen. And I love it when people go, well, how did you get that gig? It's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a nice guy. Well, also, have, <laughs> have you done any probation reports? Uh, not yet. I haven't even flown my first flight that maybe Friday. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I just did my Fed ride uh, five days ago. Yeah. So awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I was, I was hoping that before I retired, I get to ride on your jump seat or you get ride on my jump know, seat and that just didn't quite work out. Yeah. Well, you can always ride timing. on my jump it's seat. Timing. Oh no, you can't, uh, when you're retired, huh? Cause I not. can't. Ah, that's right. When you retire, <laughs> you can't. I was thinking, well, you're a pilot. <laughs> well, yeah someday but I'll, I'll let me let me know i'll be happy to ride in back with you anytime oh thank you so much <laughs> that's awesome actually that's really cool <laughs> that's cool now uh, a couple more things are you going to start podcasting again yes in fact uh, i've got something lined up next month that i want to go to a, a concert and interview uh one of my friends in san diego mm. uh i think next month and I'm going to try to make that happen and reboot the podcast. Yes. So I will keep you informed as things progress. Yes. And, uh, and the band, when's your next gig? Um, we just have our two regularly scheduled gigs that we do every month, but sometime there might be, uh, another opportunity and I'll let you know about that. If, uh, if something comes up, also, we have the air show uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. So the Pacific Air Show, if anybody's um, around, if this gets posted before this weekend, 
then everybody should go check out the Pacific Air Show. And they have a very nice website and a lot of social media. And the Air Force Thunderbirds are coming. Yes. Yes, that, you know, always a, a sight to see and uh, music to my ears. <laughs> and, and for the GA crowd, avoid the area. There's a huge TFR. <laughs> yeah. No before you go. Yeah. Check those notes. Right. <laughs> and it's also a no drone zone. So keep your drones at home. Yeah, especially at the beach. Come on, guys. Okay, well, you know, I've I've kept you long enough. I do appreciate you spending the afternoon with us today. Um, and on behalf of Rob and Alex, thank you so much for the conversation, the all your aspects of what your retirement journey has been like and and all the advice as well. We really do appreciate having you on. Well, trying to pay it forward. And keep you guys going. You're going to have long careers and probably some wide body flying in your future before too long. I expect. So yeah, I think so. Especially when we out get of LA. to that point, uh, we'll we'll talk about things again. So I hear that there's going to be some airspace and procedure changes in the waters and North Atlantic airspace coming up. So oh, cool. There's some exciting developments there. Yeah, yeah, and well, you know that. Uh, I'll be reaching out if that uh, day comes here anytime soon. I'll be like, Keith, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Now, speaking of audio and all that you've done over the years with the the podcasting, we've talked about in depth, like how you got into podcasting. We had some samples from, from your podcast on that last show that we did together on, on one eleven. So if you, if you want to know more about the Klezmer podcast, check out episode 111 highly recommend it um you've been so generous of sharing a lot of what your creative uh, outlet has been over the years uh, in addition to flying giving us this information i really have enjoyed uh watching the youtube clips that you have up there with the band and, and others as well and we get audio here on the show as well um it doesn't happen very often i'm always asking at the end of the show hey if you have any audio feedback send it to us you can send it right from our website now on the aviatortony.com website we have a link to send us audio feedback now i've always said that my preferred method is pick up your phone record a message as long as you need it to be and just email it to the show you don't have to do that. You can also use the link on our website. The only downside to that, and I've heard other websites that I that I frequent, or other podcasts as well, uh, say the same thing. That, hey, it's uh, 90 seconds. That's all you get. So a minute and a half, speak your piece. And if that's not enough, use your phone, record a voice message, send it to us. If you have a fancy little digital recorder, send us a high audio quality recording. We'd love it. We'd love to share it on the show. Well. Earlier in the month, I did receive a couple audio feedbacks, and I want to share them with everyone before you go, if that's okay. Um, Siggy sent us some audio, and yes, after 90 seconds, it cut out. So, Siggy, love the audio, man. Keep sending it, uh, but just remember, 90 seconds. Uh, start a timer, uh, send more than one if you have to, or like I said, just send us an audio file in an email. But here's some audio feedback from Siggy. Hey, Tony and the whole Squawk Island crew. Hope you guys are well. Sig here again, just sending you some audio feedback. It's been a while since my last one. And I just finished listening to your last podcast and I really enjoyed it. Great content. And I'd just like to comment on the part where you guys discuss 
pilots using their phones when they're not supposed to be using their phones. And uh, we once had, uh, during a joint briefing, we used to have those joint briefings in my previous airline where we used to brief the cabin crew about, you know, how the flight was going to go, flight time, and all that good stuff that we normally do. And me and the captain noticed one of the very young cabin crew. She was using, she was texting while he was talking, which was kind of rude. And uh, after me and him went back to flight deck, we had a chat. He decided to just pull her on the side and just have a conversation with her. She didn't take it very well. She reckoned she wasn't doing anything um, like so bad. She just reckoned that was just, uh, you know, nothing written in the company SOP that she couldn't be using her phone. And uh, I think when we talk about generation gap, we uh, we have to mention common sense, uh, which is something that it's like second nature for most of us, but some people seem to be lacking on this. So, yeah, please. And that's where it cuts out. So, uh, yeah, I think he was I think he was finishing his statement. So, you know, thanks for the content. Uh, at least that's what I assume you would. We're going to say, Siggy. Um, thank you so much for that audio. Uh, yeah, we talked about that in the last show, professionalism and, and trying to be on your phone. We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Sometimes, you know, you're just, you're so used to killing time on your device that you don't always realize that eh, it might be a little rude for me to be doing this and not paying attention. And that's part of that generation gap that he mentioned. Well, I think either because he was kind of cut off there and realized that only 90 seconds went through or whatnot, he also sent us part two. And let's listen to that real quick here now. Hey, Tony, it's me again. Sig here, just finished my audio feedback. I got cut out. Um, second thing I would like to do, I'd like to ask Terry a direct question. He's mentioned he was in a leadership position for a very long time in the military. He's now flying as first officer. So I'd like to hear from him. Um, what is how does he think a first officer can best assist a captain being assertive without being too pushy, without crossing that line and try to be the one in control? Um, how does he think that can work for someone that has a lot of experience and sometimes will be flying with people that have less um, life experience and sometimes even less flying experience so yeah that's uh, that's my question and the third one is um, a just to tell you guys you guys always mention pilot shortage so I would like to tell you how much your pilot shortage in US is affecting the rest of the world uh, in the region where I fly we have seen an increasing number of pilots leaving to go fly in U.S., uh, especially very senior captains leaving to fly as first officers. And that's a good thing. It's driving salaries to increase and also increasing the number of upgrades. Uh, that's all from me. Thanks for your great con content. Yes, uh, and thank you, uh, Zig, for getting it in under 90 seconds on that one. I didn't have to guess what you were trying to finish up there. Um, so yeah, if you're going to send audio feedback, thank you so much for sending it. I don't care how you send it. I love receiving it. We all love talking about it after the show as well. Um, but 
I don't have Terry here today with us. He's flying the line. I'll make sure that either I play that audio for him on a future episode so he can answer your question directly. But, you know, I've got I got the next best thing here. I have a captain with 38 years of experience flying airlines that could probably eloquently answer that question as well. So, Keith, how would a first officer gently approach a captain who might be using his personal electronic device mid-flight or during a time of sterile cockpit or something um, that's against SOP? Should the FO just call him out on it, or is there a way that you would have preferred to have been approached if you found yourself in that situation? Well, that's a really good question. Now, when I was a first officer, and captain missed something or was doing something and uh you know the, the subtlety works uh, uh hey captain did you mean to do this now or, or were you ready are you ready for uh, flaps yet or are you ready for this or um whatever the, the situation calls for but as we've learned in the training and then the PLM training more recently, sometimes you don't have the luxury of time to get that other person to do what needs to be done. And you have to say, hey, go around, uh, do this, do that, whatever the situation calls for, and then smooth it over later. But in the meantime, uh, safety comes first and and you have to make sure that whatever needs to be accomplished uh, is done. And a good captain who has also received all the same training should be open to receiving that and then discussing later when that situation is passed. But there no situation should be where the captain shuts down the first officer or the first officer shuts down the captain at the mere suggestion of something that needs to be done or the idea that they missed something or made an error on something. If it's a crew and it's the crew is working well together, it's a give and take. And sometimes uh, you come up with the thing that needed to be done. Sometimes you overlook something and somebody will tell you that something needs to be done. When you're in a multi-crew environment uh, uh, with a augmented crew, three or four, we got extra people that can give input to both the captain and the first officer because maybe they both miss something mm-hmm. and that's a critical component too. So the more eyes you have watching out for things, the better off the crew is. Now we're not running around with a two man per two person crew and somebody on the jump seat all the time, to make sure the two person crew doesn't screw up. Right. That's the, that's not the idea, but work with the assets that you have and use them to the, the fullest extent that that's available to you. That's the best advice I can give. Yeah. Well, uh, just again, thank you. And uh, for those that are intrigued about some of the other things that you do, like the podcast and the band and all of the media things that you do with Eon Reality and Renzone, give us some information. Where can they find more about these companies well uh, eon reality has uh, a lot of presence a good website and their uh, app 
uh, Eon Reality, E-O-N Reality.com is their website. And I uh, did a podcast with them recently concerning AI in aviation training. So we might want to check that one out. Everything else I do is uh, at Klusber Podcast. So uh, Instagram, X, all of those. And let's see what else. Uh, the band stuff is, uh, uh, we have some things on Spotify, so we can check those out. And that's pretty What's much And what was the name it. of the band? Uh, South Coast Simca Band. And uh, I play trumpet with that, so it's been a lot of fun. And we get to do a lot of fun things. Uh, went to a release party with uh, some rather well-known friends of ours in uh, the studio uh, in Burbank recently, so that was fun. Cool. And it's going to be Grammy season, so that's going to be fun to keep track of. Yeah. Uh, I'm in another group called the Flying Musicians Association. So you can check out the Flying Musicians Association. They'll be happy to take your inquiries for those musicians listening out there. Nice. Well, thank you so much for all your advice and for giving us a perspective of what retirement was like. I do absolutely appreciate having you on the show today. So thank you. Thank you. And it's been a real pleasure to join you guys once again and tell you a little bit about what's been going on prior prior to retiring and the retirement day and uh, what's been going on since that. So lots more to look forward to and hopefully you'll have a chance to visit with you again. Absolutely. And you know, keep, keep those uh, uh, audio and video files coming. I would love to keep up with your career and your progression and your journey. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. I also want to say thank you to Rob, Captain Rob, and Alex D for joining us today, taking time out of their busy schedules to be here on the show. We also want to say thank you to all of you that have been listening and sharing this podcast online and with your friends. Be sure to subscribe and follow the Squawk Ident podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We also love receiving listener feedback. You can send us an email or even audio feedback via our website at aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar number Yankee.com. There you'll find audio archives, photos from the flight line, the guest book photo tab, and other Squawk Ident pilot shops and accessories. We have an assortment of t-shirts and hats and mugs and all kinds of stuff on the link there on the website. You can also contribute financially to the show right there on our homepage. Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram users can find us under the Squawk Ident podcast. And one final thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there. Be safe and take care of each other. Bye, y'all. See ya. See ya. Cheers.